0: Welcome to the Wisdom and Wellness Parsha podcast, a weekly Eden Center podcast featuring Rabbanit Shani Taragin with insights from the Parsha about women's health, relationships, mikvah and well-being. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center that is transforming the mikvah experience by educating women how to use mikvah as the natural platform it is to connect to women's health, well-being and healthy relationships. Read our weekly blogs on a range of fascinating topics download our wonderful publications learn about our Balaniot and Kala teacher trainings and support us at theedencenter.com Rabbanit Shani Tarragon has been a leading force in women's Torah learning and in Eden's work and we are honored to combine two of her passions Torah education and empowering us about women's health and well-being without further ado Shani.
1: Hello and welcome back to Eden's Wisdom and Wellness for Women Parsha podcast. I was just reflecting this week how wonderful this podcast is and the saying of Chazal that came to mind of how HaKadosh Baruch Makadim Trufa Machala. HaWeno, we began this partial podcast with the desire to spread issues of women's health, both physical health, mental health. Months ago, we had no idea what lay in store for us this year. And I just want to thank you, our listeners, and certainly the Eden Center for this opportunity during these very challenging times to continue with all our social distancing to still be able to spread words of encouragement, words of wellness, and certainly words of Torah on a weekly basis. So without further ado... This week is Shabbat HaGadol. It is a great Shabbat on so many levels. But before we approach this idea, as we find in the Haftarah of this week's Parsha, let's not dismiss the Parsha Parshat Tzav, which is the continuation, as we know, of what we introduced last week in Parshat Vayikra Adam Kiakviv Mikim. How the Torah introduces how we may get closer to Haggadol through bringing sacrifices to the Mishkan. And if you remember from last week, the order there was focused on the person attempting to initiate a relationship with Hashem, and therefore we began with the voluntary sacrifices, the Ullah, the Mencha, the Shlamim, and then went on to hear that sometimes we're also the ones who initiate a rift between ourselves and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whether it's through negligence, whether it's through not necessarily paying attention to our actions, whether it's through sins, and therefore we also have to bring a Chathat in Hashem. This week's parsha, parshat Tzav, is going to speak about the laws of the cohesion, this time we hear once we bring the korban to the mishkan, how the kohen is going to relate to that sacrifice. And therefore the order is somewhat different. Now we hear about the ola, the mincha, the chatat followed by and the asham followed by the shlamim. For after all, the first four, the ola, the mincha. The chatat and the Hashem are going to be required, other than the Ola, to be consumed by the Kohen during a specific time in a certain place, whereas the Shlamim is also going to involve the person who's bringing the Korban. And therefore, Rav Yehuda explains, that's why it's called Shlamim. It brings peace, peace between the altar peace between the Kohen and peace between the person bringing the sacrifice itself he also is going to participate in its consumption and therefore the time of the eating is extended for him but let's return now to the beginning of the parsha in pasuk bet we hear that what is the first korban that the kohanim are going to relate to zotorata ula hi haula kol ad boker tukadbo this is strange, we hear that this is the law of the Olah that to burn upon the altar all night until the morning, and the fire of the altar shall burn in it. Wait a second, this isn't about the Kohanim, this is about the altar. For in fact, if our tells us about how the Korban note that we bring are consumed in the Mishkan, then we find that the Ula, which is entirely consumed by the Mizpach, is going to address the consumption of the Mizpach. And therefore, the primary character, so to speak, is in fact the altar itself. And therefore, we hear that what do the Kohanim do? The Kohanim have to relate to the Mizbech. The Kohan wears his linen garments, and when he wears this, he takes the ashes from the sacrifices that have been consumed the previous day. And he clears them off the altar. The next pasuk tells us, That he also puts on clothing to remove the pile of ashes that accumulate after there are numerous sacrifices that are brought. And in fact, there is a dispute between Rashi and Abarbanel and others with regards to how often he does this. Everyone agrees that he on a daily basis, he must always clear the the ashes from the top of the altar to make sure that there's sufficient room for future sacrifices. How often does he take out the accumulated ashes, the pile of ashes, the trumotadishin, outside of the machaneh? Whether it's on a daily basis, explains the barbanel or a somewhat daily basis, as Rashi will explain, what well, we definitely do see is a daily activity wherein the Kohen has to clear a Mizbah. He has to make sure that every day is going to start anew, that every day has an opportunity for some newness. At the same time, the Psukim continue back to the fire on the Mizbah. And the fire upon the altar shall burn in it, it shall not be extinguished. The Kohen shall burn the wood upon it every morning, and he shall set the olah upon it and burn the fat of the Shlamim upon it. An eternal fire, fire shall burn upon the altar, it shall not be extinguished. Notice then that what we see here is the basic... Basic commandment of the focus on the fire. The fire on the altar must burn continually without interruption. Sufficient wood has to be added to ensure this continual fire. Care has to be taken that the additional wood will not extinguish it, nor that placing sacrifices upon it won't extinguish it. But as you clearly hear, the subject of the sentence throughout this very lengthy command is the fire. Upon it, it is the fire. The recurring phrases, which frame the entire command, emphasize the continuity of the fire, which teach us that there are two parts of Torah. Ha'ula. The first part emphasizes the cleaning of the mizbech, which must, must be performed at the start of every day. It's the first of the malachot of the kohanim, while the second part emphasizes the continuity of the fire, the fire which descended upon the altar on the eighth day of the consecration of the mishkan, which was stoked with new wood daily, but in principle, it never went out. The two parts, then, of this unit epitomize the fundamental tension not just in the service of the Mishkan, but in the service of our lives. The tension between continuity and change. The fire that burns permanently upon the altar is never extinguished. Day after day, it's there. The eternal fire expresses the continuity of the presence of the Shekhinah, which began on the eighth day of Hanukkah Mishkan, and which never ceased. At the same time, each day, the Mizpah must be cleared of the remains from the previous day. Each day brings the start of renewed service in the Mishkan, and the sacrifices of each day require a clean altar, a new start, a new sun shines upon the altar each day, but a permanent and eternal fire burns upon it. Here we see the tension between continuity and change. We're about to hear the wonderful words of Sarah Hass Robinson, the Associate Director of of the field instruction at the Wordsworth School of Social Work, she is going to speak about dealing with anxiety. Sarah is also a very good friend, and together with her husband Rabbi Shel Robinson, lead the community in Lincoln Square in New York. And now when we deal with anxiety in today's times, we recognize that on one hand, there's so much change; it can be extremely overwhelming. And change could also bring with it opportunity, newness, questions, and yes, indeed, anxiety. And perhaps then the greatest antidote to anxiety, as many psychologists and social workers are telling us today, is to try to maintain also that sense of constancy. Try to maintain that ish animus that constant fire do something every day. Try to maintain our routines, whether it's getting up at the same time every morning, davening the same time every morning, making sure that we have lunch. We set into routine now with our children who are even off of their classroom online online studies, that every day we daven together in the living room, followed by breakfast together, followed by learning with each one of the children together. And then everyone has their own time which I've been using not only for shiurim, but also cleaning up for Pesach time, and then lunchtime together, followed by mincha together, followed by, again, cleaning together, but to make sure that everyone has a regular schedule. It's true that these times of coronavirus bring with us new questions, clearing away the ashes, and uh, trying to uh, start every day anew with a renewed not only strength and vigor, but sometimes, unfortunately, we also hear about people who are close to us who uh, are not only sick, but unfortunately passing away as well. And this brings with it new feelings, new emotions, new anxiety. The more that we can maintain some constancy in our life, the more that we'll be able to continue not only with optimism. But again, feel that there really is a sun that's shining new each day. New opportunities and new opportunities to grow in Torah and in health. But we can't dismiss at the same time this wonderful Haftarah of Shabbat HaGadol called as such for various reasons, not only because of the Nes Gadol as we took our Seh Anna the tenth of Nisan, and for four days watched over it, knowing that the Egyptians are wondering what are we doing? Taking whether it's their God or what they believe is Toiva, these are the days wherein we demonstrate more than ever our identification with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with the covenant of ripping havetarim of the past and our hope that we know, that this is what is going to accompany us for the future as well. But we know that it's also called Shabbat HaGadol primarily because of the havetara of Malachi. Hine Anochi Sholeach Lechem Et Aliyah HaNavi Lepnei Ba Yom Hashem HaGadol V'Hanora V'Hishiv LeVavot Al-Banim V'LeVanim Al-Avotam HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that before, before final destruction, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to give us an opportunity for Geula, for redemption, through, ironically, one of the most zealous neviim, Eliyahu Hanavi. Eliyahu, whom we know, is always at the petach of our homes. Eliyahu who is always there, leading us in very ambiguous, amorphous, questionable times. He's going to be the one to bring us in the time period of Ben Hashmashot. He's going to be the one. Who is going to enable us and ultimately elicit from us the answer of Admataya Tempushim Al Hasipim? How long are we going to straddle with our own confusions and our questions and all the unknowns? Not to worry, Tishbi Yataritz and is there at the Petach between the two domains, between the domain of Galut and Geula. between the domain of this world and the world to come. Eliyahu is going to come on that day, and what is he going to do? He will bridge the generations as well. This is the perfect time for us to welcome Eliyahu Navi into our homes. When we have the time, when we have the mindset, when we have the focus to be able to spend time with our children and bridge those gaps bridge those gaps, all those questions that have remained unanswered, to bridge those gaps of uh, ensuring their mental health and their physical health, to bridge those gaps of all the times that we wanted to learn together with our children, now's an opportunity, certainly this Shabbat HaGadol, to bring Eliyahu Hanavi in and be able to bridge all of the spaces between the generations, the spaces between sickness and health the stages and the space between Kalut and gu'ula. Wishing you all a wonderful Shabbat HaGadol of shalom and redemption.
2: Many common anxieties that we are experiencing generally, and at this time more than most. Um, stress can come from just having too many tasks, Um, Lacking an organizational framework, which we try always to put in place, but right now it's crumbled. There isn't a framework unless you are able to create one on one foot. Um, I've also been hearing about grief more this week, the loss of known world and predictability, and all these things do create much anxiety and stress. Um, And all our coping tools are maxed out. Uh, Perhaps it's a little bit like Dayenu. If the kids were home from school and we knew when this would end, we could manage. If I could see my relatives and give people hugs, I could manage. If I could work remotely without being aware of the scarcity of shopping delivery slots, I could manage. And if Pesach wasn't coming so very soon, then maybe I could manage. There's just a lot going on right now. Um, Natan Sharansky, in the recent video that he created, I thought made a really amazing point, uh, that it's not helpful to put your energy into things you can't control. Like, when is this over? and just kind of putting everything into that basket. Clearly we can do some fantasy thinking and it might be nice to have a list that you prepare now for when this is over in a good way and please God, good health to everybody. But perhaps there are things that you are able to control um, and to focus on that, which is how he managed in captivity. His advice about picking up a book that you haven't yet read or learning a foreign language might not be so appropriate for our um, current leadership or or our population but how about a list or a map depending on your preferred mode of writing of structuring things and writing them down are things that you can accomplish and that might lead you to figuring out what help you do need with the things that you can do and that you need to get done and also what you can't accomplish by yourself without help. Um, I'm thinking that we, for starting with creating some kind of list of things that you need to be doing and will enable you to share your needs and wishes openly and in a way that makes it possible for others in your family group or in your um, community to pitch in. Um, there's places that one can reach out for. So I just wanted to... Say, um, in terms of sharing your needs and things that can be done, they can be very straightforward, like jobs around the house. But we know that people don't always read your mind, unfortunately, um, and that we do have to present some kind of organisational structure that people in your household know what needs to be done and the time frame that you'd like it done. That's why some kind of list, a sign-up sheet, can be really helpful. I found that. Um, People in my family have been very happy to do jobs that I need to be done if I'm fairly flexible about the timing. You know, within, yes, 10 minutes is fine. It doesn't have to be done now, for example. Um, And those are things that can be done by people around you. There are also things that you might not be able to do, um, in which case reaching out is really important. Um, Reaching out to a community helpline, community leaders, or a friend who might be able to suggest uh, any of the above. Um, is really important. Don't be ashamed of it. It's a hard thing to do, but it's your responsibility to speak up for your needs. No one will know what you need if you're not able to ask. And there are many um, organisations and individuals who are looking out and are able to help, whether it's shopping or um, medications or or anything like that. Um, If you're alone and you don't have a household group with you right now, which is the case for many people, Um, The same preparation should be done, I suggest. Do a list of things you can achieve and what help you might need for that and things that you can't achieve and then reach out to people in your communities, whether it's Facebook or people that you know or a communal leader for support in that. We all have needs and it's easier uh, to get help if other people know what they are. The last point that I want to make in terms of dealing with stress is, is... I would encourage everyone to make a safety plan. Uh, we usually talk about this in cases where there really is danger. And of course, God forbid, if you're in a dangerous situation, you need a safety plan and please do reach out uh, to get advice about that from someone you trust um, in terms of physical danger, but also emotionally, we all have a limit um, in terms of what stress we can bear right now. And it might just be, you know, um, I, I, just everything is crashing right now. And anyone looking on would say you're being very organized, but you're not managing it and you're not feeling good. So I would suggest that um, to me, a safety plan means that I have foreknowledge about my capacity and I have predicted what level of stress or distress I can manage before I lose control of, you know, of speaking or of, of managing anything. And it just becomes unpleasant. So, you know, it's done in therapy offices in numerous different ways doing traffic lights or kind of a thermometer where you predict, let's say a seven in distress is already a time when you have to start noticing, maybe publicize where you are. I have seen people wearing signs that say, do not speak to me for 20 minutes, you know, or I need one person to do this or just everyone keep low. I'm listening to music. Don't speak to me right now. Um, Because we need to predict for ourselves, what is a point where we need to retract from regular functioning and just kind of regroup. We need to also figure out what is a helpful activity for us at that time. It might be going out for a walk if that's possible. If it's not possible, it might be listening to music or just being in a quiet dark room, even if you have to evict the prior inhabitants. Um, It might be that you need someone to talk to, but to have some kind of idea about what you need is super helpful to other people. Um, and um, also, I would say, see if you can understand where you feel that feeling of distress. Do you feel it in your shoulders, in your stomach, in your head? Because any kind of early warning signs are really helpful for yourself and for other people. I think we've all been in the situation also, know people who suddenly go from a zero and being very calm to a kind of 55, and you're just like, what just happened? So any kind of just warning, you know, knowing yourself and then being able to say to somebody else, um, I am beginning to not function properly. This is what I need. Um, Can give safety to yourself and the people that you're with. So I think generally, there's something in common with all the things that we've been talking about, which is insight. Have some knowledge about what you need and what your tolerance is for, um, you know, feeling overwhelmed um number two try and figure out a way of sharing that information um in a way that you're going to get the support you need um, and number three look after yourself individually you know you put on your air mask before you your oxygen mask before you um you know do life saving on on your the people around you i think there's ways that you can be communal minded with your um with your group whether it's calling people um or shopping for people for Pesach items or just um you know we're hoping to have a pre-Yomtef zoom with family members to do an hour of seder um and i'm thinking of giving out some tasks everyone you know is equally involved um because there's a lot of grief about that about not being able to share that time and um it's a kind of big equalizer everybody it's really important to everybody Um, so I think, you know, in terms of using electronics, let's figure out how to do that. Okay, we'll be, have to be ready a little bit earlier. Um, but also something that Natan Sharansky said was, we feel alone, but we are in a very large community. Um, and it's not just the Jewish community, it's the worldwide community that we are both suffering and coping with all of these hardships. And we could feel very strengthened by the fact that at 7pm every night, all the neighbors in my area are clapping for the medical services and you know we there's a great strength in our communities and we just have to find ways to tap into that
3: this week's podcast is sponsored in honor of Yaakov shalom tarragon's bar mitzvah we wish rabbanit shani Ravru oven and the extended tarragon family a Mazaltov.: mazal tov is there someone in your life that you want to honor someone who has helped you out or inspired you Maybe it's a medical professional or a teacher or a yoetze who went above and beyond to help you, or a yard site or death that you want to mark. Please consider making a donation to support this podcast in honor of a special person in your life. (music) This episode of Wisdom and Wellness was recorded by Shani Tarragon, music courtesy of Shimona Gottlieb, and is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback, sponsorships and support. You can reach us at com.